0: Are in chapter one of our verse by verse commentary of John's Gospel, and here we have John the Baptist featured. Now, remember that John's Gospel takes a different track to the other three Gospels Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which we call the Synoptics. But when it comes to John the Baptist, he gets the same mention as the other three Gospels do, too. So, he's very crucial. We know John as the forerunner of to the Messiah, like a herald sounding the, not alarm, but sounding the trumpet that the king is on his way. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, and probably so were some of the other disciples, but it appears that they didn't know each other very well, and that it took divine revelation for John to understand that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel, and for that matter, the world. Our lesson is called John the Baptist, and it is based on John chapter 1, verses 17 and to 28. In other words, John 1, 17 to 28. What I want to do is read to you the first two verses of our reading, and then we're going to continue on and learn about how God used John to herald the coming of Jesus. And John's witness is considered credible. In fact, as we'll learn in John chapter 5, there are five witnesses to the identity and to the singular authority of Jesus. And John the Baptist is one of those witnesses, along with Almighty God himself and Moses and the miracles and the scriptures. So let me read verses 17 and 18 of John chapter 1 and Finish off with our previous theme of grace and truth and then focus squarely on John the Baptizer and his amazing ministry, which helps us to understand the true nature of Jesus of Nazareth. So John one, seventeen and 18 read, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. All right, that's John 1 17 and 18. What do we learn? This verse, verse 17, just about says it all. It tells us that the law of God was given to Moses, and this is a wonderful, glorious, honorable thing. But there's something even more wonderful. It says that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We need the law as a foundation so that we can be candidates and grateful recipients of grace and truth that is found in Jesus. And this is so wonderful. But remember, this is not the only time we hear this phrase, grace and truth. We heard it earlier, did we not? When it talks about, in verse 14 of John 1, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Friends, Always bear that in mind when we talk about Jesus. He's not about legalism. He's not about religiosity. He's not about a judgmental attitude, even though he is the righteous judge. He's talking about grace and truth and, by implication, love itself. And this is the person of Jesus. Any other image of Jesus is a false portrait. And anyone purporting to represent him is a false witness a witness to things that are nothing to do with the identity of the Lord. So, friends, we need to remember, Jesus is full of grace and truth. We are recipients of these wonderful things, and we need to be the first partakers of grace and truth so we can show it to a wounded and needy world. We learn in verse 18 of John 1, it says, No man has ever seen God, but... The only begotten Son, which is at the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Basically, it works like this. John the Baptist, in his ministry of baptizing at the Jordan River, would be used of God to introduce the Messiah to Israel and the world. The Messiah, that's Jesus of Nazareth, he would basically introduce the Heavenly Father to the world, he has declared him. He will say things too that I and my Father are one. And while that is true, it is also true that the Father is distinct from the Son. And that's what Scripture shows us. Again, we didn't make this up. This is not the product of human imagination. We know these things because Christ told us, Christ is validated as not just the graceful one, but the truthful one. You can trust him to tell you the truth, and that he will not lead anyone astray, because this is perfectly compatible with his nature. He is the truth, as well as the way and the life, according to John 14, verse 6. So, he declares the Father, and he, that's Jesus, is full of grace and truth. What I'd like to do is read the rest of today's passage, which does focus on John the Baptist. Let's see what we can learn about him, but more importantly, let's see what he teaches us about Jesus, because Jesus is the main subject. This will be verses 19 to 28 of John chapter 1, and it reads, And this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as said the prophet Esaias. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him, and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered him, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you, whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me, is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet." I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethabara beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is from John chapter 1, verses 19 to 28. So what do we learn about John the Baptist and about Jesus himself? Verse 19, John testifies of Christ when the priests and Levites came from Jerusalem to inquire of him and basically asked John, who are you? Now it uses the term here in verse 19, the Jews. And it's easy to think that by using this term it's referring to all Jews everywhere, in and out of Israel. But it's not. It is not a reference to the entire people. It is a reference to the re- religious establishment elite in Jerusalem. There's was a good question. The answer is even better. In verse 20, John was very quick to clear the air. I am not the long awaited Messiah. This short, accurate answer actually raises more questions than it answers. So, in verse 21, begins the guessing game. The Jerusalem Jews then gave several options from which John could choose. Are you the prophet Elijah? Then they asked, are you that prophet? Now, what do they mean by that prophet? This unnamed individual, I believe they were referring to the promised prophet that would be like Moses and Moses actually promised his coming in Deuteronomy 18 verses 15 to 19. He says that this prophet is coming after me. He will be like unto me. Listen to him in everything he commands because failure to listen to this coming prophet will mean that you'll be cut off from your people. So to answer those questions, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you that prophet? John gave one simple two-letter answer. No, I'm none of those things. So then, give us an answer, they ask. In John chapter 1, verse 22, who are you? We need to provide an answer to those in Jerusalem who sent us. What do you say about yourself? I mean, John apparently wasn't very forthcoming. He just listened to questions, answered simply, but offered no definitive response. So, what does John say about himself? And as he contemplates these things, he hearkens back to the scripture. And in fact, there'll be two different scripture passages involving the great John the Baptist. One of them, of course, is found in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. This is what John is quoting. When he refers to his work, he says, I am the voice that cries in the wilderness. Make the way of the Lord straight. In short, he is the forerunner of the coming king. So this is great. But in another way, what we see is that John is also fulfilling the marvelous prophecy of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. And it tells us verse 5 and 6, which are the last two verses of the old testament god speaking behold i will send you elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the lord all right and what else verse six and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest i come and smite the earth with a curse so we believe john the baptist also fulfills these verses for the simple reason that Jesus does say in the Gospels, if you can accept it, these verses are fulfilled by John. So, John is the forerunner. He is the one who not only announces the coming of the Lord, but he also announces the day of the Lord, that prophetic eschatological period. The transition from the kingdoms of this world and from normal human worldly order to the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. It is described as great and dreadful because it will be pretty awesome. There will be signs in heaven above and earth beneath But there will be a ministry of reconciliation that John does in his forerunning ministry returning the hearts of the fathers to children, and vice versa, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Isn't it amazing the last word in the Old Testament is curse? The last word or words in the New Testament is in Revelation 22, verse 21. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Because after all, the law of God is good, it's spiritual, it's holy, But failure to keep all of it at all times brings a curse. We can live that way or we can live the gospel way and let Jesus not only take our sins and nail them to the cross, but that Jesus will download his perfect righteousness into us. I tell you, it's a deal too good to refuse. The Pharisees keep probing. Verses 24 and 25 of John 1. The visiting delegation from Jerusalem was from the sect called the Pharisees. They want to know by what authority John baptizes, if John is neither the Messiah, Elijah, or the Deuteronomy 18 prophet. Well, this is his answer, and it comes from verses 26 and 27. John responds that he is baptizing in water, but there is one who is among them, whom they do not know. He it is. Being a reference, we believe, to the messiahship of Jesus, John speaks of him as so holy and worthy that the baptizer himself was not worthy to loose his shoe latchet. Now, untying a sandal, was among the humblest of duties you can imagine. I mean, you have to get down pretty much on the floor, and you're showing your subservience to the one whom you are serving, untying their sandal. Now, to be unworthy of doing even this humble of humble activities is a mark of John's outstanding humility. John may also be alluding to the fact that his ministry of water baptism wasn't just a sign of repentance for sin or even a symbol of repentance for sin, but it would also point to the coming of Messiah when he appears. And that's really the crowning achievement of John's ministry, baptizing people for the remission of sins, but also serving Messiah by being his baptizer, and then being Messiah's witness and saying, Look, I saw things that are unmistakable and irrefutable. This man is the Christ, the Son of God. Finally, in verse 28 of John chapter 1, current opinion is that John did these things at Bethabara beyond Jordan, and that the actual baptismal site of Jesus was on the east bank of, of the Jordan River, not far from its entry into the Dead Sea. It is near the spot where Joshua and the Ark crossed the Jordan in Joshua chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Now, something else, if you visit the traditional baptismal site of Jesus, which is on Jordanian territory, you will note that it's not on the Jordan River. Why? Well, apparently, the Jordan River has changed course over the last 2,000 years. And how do we know then that it's the right site? Well, pretty much because of archaeology and of ancient churches 1,500, 1,600 years before that were located on that site. It's also very, very fascinating. Now, our lesson is called John the Baptist. What is our lesson for life? The humility and obedience of John the Baptist positioned him for greatness in the kingdom of God.